TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. All right, Bo, let's introduce our special guest, NFL writer and author Ron Clements, the legend himself, who currently has two books out, Home Run on Wheels and his latest piece, A Sports Fan's Guide to Route 66, which has made some headlines recently being ranked number 16 by Men's Journal and Top New Books in 2021. So congratulations, Ron. I'm going to give you... Some applause. I don't know yep, if you can hear me clapping, awesome. but I'm, I'm giving super you some applause, man. Um, let us know a little bit about your book, man, because I am super interested, and I'm actually going to look to be getting it uh, sometime soon. Well, I hope so. Christmas is coming up, so you can get it for yourself and give it to someone too, right? That's right. Absolutely. I'm about to Absolutely. As you said, it's a sports fan's guide to Route 66, and it covers everything sports from high school to pro and everything in between, golf courses, rodeo arenas, rowing facilities, rugby, soccer, uh, hunting and fishing spots, um, uh, Olympic sports like swimming and gymnastics, and uh, you know, and then, like I said, the you know the traditional high school sports, you know, your baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I did about uh, 60 interviews for the book. Um, I was able to get media credentials for some college football games from uh, Illinois State and Northern Arizona University, University of Tulsa, uh, men's men's and women's basketball at the University of New Mexico, and the LA Lakers issued me a media credential. So. I interviewed LeBron James and Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis for this book. Um, you know, and I also talked to several high school and college coaches and athletics directors, uh, the team historian at the, for the Chicago Blackhawks, um, some media people in Joliet, Illinois, and Amarillo, Texas, and Flagstaff, Arizona. So, I mean, I tried to incorporate as many different voices, you know, not just coaches or athletes, but, you know, um, heck, I'm, I'm in St. Louis right now, and there's a guy here. He's one of these super fans, right? He, uh, for the St. Louis Blues, they call him Tellman because he um, he's the guy who, after every Blues goal, stands up in Section 314 and waves a towel. He'll if it's their first goal, he'll wave the towel once. If it's the seventh goal, like the other night against the Kings, he'll wave the he, he'll wave the flag seven times. And and when he does that, the fans will count out e each time. You know, one, two, and and uh, and then when he's done counting up to however many the goals the blues have he tosses the his little hand towel to to some fan this guy's been doing this for like 20 years and uh he's kind of become an icon the blue show him on the scoreboard well his name's ron bakley and he's the towel man well i interviewed him for the book so uh you know like i said i wanted to get as many different voices into the book as possible and uh and i think that's one reason why my book stands out uh a lot of travel guides are told from the author's perspective, and this one definitely is not that because I do have so many different voices in the book. And another reason it stands out is because it's the first ever sports book on Route 66. No one had ever thought to sports to the mother road before. And I was like, this is a, a void I want to fill. And so I did. It's pretty cool, man. I think you definitely hit something like hit a niche there with the variety, like all the different sports and all the different you know people you've interviewed. I mean, I, interviewing, I mean, alone, I mean, I think it's eye popping already just interviewing LeBron James and Anthony yeah, Davis and that, stuff like that, that. That blew me away as well. I, I, that's, I, I don't even know if I could get to an interview with those guys. I feel like I'd be so <laughs> starstruck. So, yeah, starstruck <laughs> that I don't I don't even know if I would actually be able to do that. Um, well, what was no, that like? It, it, well, it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one or anything. I the Lakers gave me a media credential, like I said, for a game. So I was just part of the post-game media scrum. They played the Washington Wizards on November 29th, 2019, at Staples Center, and I was there. And uh, you know, it was just like I said, it was just part of the media scrum. Um, it's funny though that uh, that night it was Jersey giveaway night. Okay, you know, number 
34 gold, gold and purple O'Neill jersey, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to be part of my Halloween costume on Saturday because uh, <laughs> um, I, I ordered my wife a Kevin Love jersey. Okay, now what does Kevin Love have to do with Shaquille O'Neal? Nothing, except that we're going to wear that those two jerseys together, and, and for Halloween, we're going to be Love Shack. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> that, is that is awesome. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is uh, the creativity there. Oh, my Thank God. You. That is it's, awesome. It's it's simple, but yet it's I think it's creative. So no, no it's super oh, creative. It's exa- Dude, that is what Halloween is about is getting is getting creative and, and mixing it up with the loved ones and the friends. Man, that is awesome. I did not yeah, the, know um, where that was going at first, but I'm so glad <laughs> that it was there. Because that is that is great. Yeah, we're we're gonna be going to it. So the Missouri Route 66 Association, the president lives outside of his name's Rich. He lives outside of St. Louis and um and the other board members, so each state has its own Route 66 association, so they can uh, work with uh, highway departments to make sure that the roads are maintained, to make sure that the signage, so people know where Route 66 was, right? Um, so each state has its own Route 66 association to make sure that those things happen with the with the state and with you know with the respective DOTs, right? Well, the Missouri, and so they have fundraisers too, so they can pay for the signs, so they can pay for the Route 66 shield to be painted on the on the pavement itself, so that the signs don't get stolen. Because, can, yeah, can surprise that as big as Route 66 is, which with nostalgia, people want to steal the signs and take them home with them. But uh, so they they started painting the Route 66 shields on the highway itself. Well, the Missouri Route 66 Association is holding a Halloween party on Saturday at the Muse- Museum of Transportation in St. Louis, and. Uh, the, it's going to be a sock hop, like a 50 style sock hop. Our, you know, Kevin Love, Shaquille O'Neal outfits, just me and my wife wearing NBA jerseys fit in there. Not really, but I don't care. We're going to be Love Shack. <laughs> I love it. I man. love it, man. I don't think anyone there will will, will hate on that at all. That, I think that's great. <laughs> Nobody should. Nobody should. And Ron, I'm, I congrats again, man, on the book, because I know that's a huge accomplishment and, uh, and, I just think that's something something really cool you've done. Definitely, like I said, with the variety and the people you've interviewed and and the road trip, and that's just something really cool. And I respect you for doing it, man. So congratulations on that. De- definitely gonna pick that up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially after, I after the way you just explained that, uh, there's no way I'm not gonna get a copy of that. I, I gotta I gotta check some of these interviews. Ron, I will send you a picture when I get it to prove to you that I got it. I promise you, I'm going to get Absolutely. that. Absolutely, the proof will be there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know what? Just share it out on social media and tag me in it, and then I'll retweet it. Hey, I got you, man. Good. I got you. We're good for that. Uh, guys, let's talk some ball. Um, and I have what, the first question I want to ask you guys. It's it's not something we have to dive real deep into, but I want to ask you guys about this because it just kind of came out. Um, the fan who returned Brady's 600th touchdown ball, he's going to receive, for doing that, he's going to receive two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady. Uh, assigned to Mike Evans' jersey and his and Mike Evans' game cleats, uh, $1,000 credit to the Buccaneers' team store, two season tickets for the rest of the season and next. And uh, I just want to know if you guys would be happy with this trade. Is this a fair trade? I think so. I agree. I think it's a fair trade. Uh, I, I didn't, when it first happened, I didn't really hear. Some people were, you know, in the media were saying that, you know, you you didn't, you know, take get enough for the ball. But when, once someone explained it to me, I thought it was plenty. 
I would have done that. I mean, have you guys seen what NFL tickets go for these days and the guys get yeah. a, a season and a half for free? Yeah, and I think that. Oh, and he also he also he also got one Bitcoin, which, which I is going the, for sixty k right now. Yeah, more yeah. than that. So, so I thought that was probably the most interesting thing about it was he got one Bitcoin, huh. which is you know pretty cool. Uh, I didn't see. I think that came out a little bit later. They might have threw that in at the end, but uh, but I agree with you guys. I think I think he. I mean, I'm sure you could have sold that touchdown ball for six figures for sure, um, but. I think I understand where the guy was going. I, th- I feel like I would have given the ball back too. Like some people were saying, he could have kept the ball. I feel like they almost would have made him give that ball back. I, don't I mean, think they could have made him give it back. I think he had to give the ball up. I mean, some guys have done that with home run balls. You know, five hundred home baseballs. runs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseballs. Yeah. I mean, it's uh. I mean, people have definitely driven a hard bargain uh, before for some of that. I'm in stuff. St. Louis right now. I'm not sure the fan who caught Mark McGuire's seventieth ball ever gave it to Mark McGuire. I think he might still have it. No idea how much that probably goes for right now. Um, but, guys, I am going to move on to the first question, the major question I want to ask you guys, and it's kind of a question for myself also. Is Daniel Jones the guy the Giants need? And I want to hear y'all's, y'all's opinions on this. Um, coming from – I think Daniel Jones is not the franchise quarterback. I think uh, he's not the guy the fans are looking for. I think he's an average quarterback with above-average athleticism in the NFL. That is my best way to describe Daniel Jones, in my opinion. I like him. He's competitive. He's fun to watch play, but I don't think he does anything at a at a super high level. Um, and I think he's, you know, he struggles with turnovers. He struggles with uh, decision-making at times. And I think the Giants well, – how long has he been in the league? Three years now? Was it three or four so, yeah. years? Three. Okay, and his – Third of 2021, yeah. Okay, yeah. And you've got a guy right now through seven weeks of football who's thrown five touchdowns and four interceptions. Uh, I, I get that he doesn't have the weapons, you know, around him. You know, Saquon Barkley's been hurt. The the wide receiver core's been hurt. Evan Ingram is almost never fully healthy. Uh, but I do think that fans should probably have expected more than what he's giving right now. And I want to know from you guys, is he the guy? I don't think so. Look, I, I, I saw him – um, I watched him a lot when he was at Duke, and I wasn't all that impressed. And then I got to watch him in person at the Senior Bowl in 2019. And uh, there wasn't exactly a good crop of quarterbacks there at the Senior Bowl. And I was there all week, and I watched him in practice, and I watched I watched every quarterback in practice. And like I said, no, nobody that year really stood out. Daniel Jones ended up being the MVP of the Senior Bowl, but, you know, that's that doesn't mean much. Um, he played for like a quarter, like the second quarter, I think, or something like that through a touchdown. And like I said, nobody else, no other quarterback really stood out that week. So I was not impressed with Daniel Jones. I was when the giants, tra- I think they traded up to get him in 2019. And, uh, yeah, I just, I never saw him as a first round guy. And I, and you know, the fact that he went as high as he did, um, just stunned me. And I, the, the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky in, you know, in 2017 and, or no. That's 2017. Am I, wait, am I wrong? It, it was 2017. You're right. Cause uh, I went to his, I went to Mitchell Trubisky's pro day the day after I got back from my honeymoon in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> what a first day back. And then two days know. later, two days later, I was at Zay Jones's pro day. I, I was living in North Carolina then working at sporting news. So, uh, Bo, do, do you, I, I want to hear your take on this also. I, I think, like I said, man, I think the thing that makes Daniel, I think the reason Daniel Jones isn't getting as much probably hate for not performing as well as he probably should be 
Uh, it's just because he's able to make plays with his legs, and he he has that athleticism excitement that I think kind of keeps the Wolves off his back. Well, look, yeah, Daniel, I mean, Daniel Jones's game is kind of like you know when you go out and you you play golf, right? And and you're terrible at it, but every once in a while you'll make that shot that that was like, all right, hey, I can do this. Let me let yeah. me keep going back, right? And that's how I feel that, like what the Giants' mindset is with Daniel Jones. Yeah. He makes a lot of mistakes, but every once in a while, he'll make that wow play. It's like, okay, we'll keep him around for a while. Yeah, I, I agree with Ron. Um, almost took the words out of my mouth. I think he flashes the things you want to see at times, and I think he's he, this- he, he, he's gotten out of some situations, uh, you know, with his feet that, you know, he would have probably not converted the third down if he couldn't move around. And uh, I, I agree. I don't think he's the guy. I um, think you could say the same thing about Justin Fields. Now, granted, smaller sample size because he's still a rookie, but I think Justin Fields right now through, what, six games is kind of the same deal as what Daniel Jones has been for two-plus seasons. I would agree with that also. And um, I believe both of them are starting out under not-so-optimal uh, coaching situations. Uh, either I think they're both stuck in some in a, in a rough situation there as well. Well, Chicago's offensive line is terrible, which is you kind of feel bad for Justin Fields because he's got weapons with Allen Robinson. And I tell you what, that freaking yeah. Herbert kid, that uh, running back, he's going to be a hell of a player. Um, he might be the best offensive player the Chicago Bears have right now, Khalil, Khalil Herbert. So um, they, they're not getting any like Her- Herbert's using his speed to you know either get to a hole that isn't there or get on the edge. Uh, because Chicago's offensive line is just not good. There, there were times against Tampa Bay on Sunday where Fields took two steps back and he was getting hit in the mouth. You know, I mean, like he mm-hmm. had no time. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty embarrassing performance there in, in Tampa Bay for the Bears. And I would agree with you about uh, Khalil Herbert. Um, he was just like he was at Virginia Tech. He was a great, a great combination of of burst and balance at the same time. Um, he he really is finding holes for himself. And Jacob, I think that uh, I think I told you, asked you a week ago or so, you think he'd take that job from David Montgomery. And uh, and and I see that he can be. I think he could be a starting back in this league, and and he's shown he's shown some good stuff so far on tape. So, um, I think that that's at least a bright spot in the Bears in the Bears offense right now. Well, you you asked me, you know, do okay. Do I think that there's a chance he takes the job? I mean, I think there's always a chance. I don't see. I think as a prospect and as a player overall, I think David Montgomery is more talented. I think David Montgomery can probably do a little bit more when you throw pass catching in, also. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, David Montgomery was, you know, my number one running back in his class. And, you know, I think he's finally starting to come out and show it, even though he hasn't been able to stay healthy this year. Um, I think Montgomery's a great player. And, and talking about fields, I just think, you know, Ron talking about, you know, the offensive line with the Bears, uh, the play calling isn't helping either. Yeah, no, I saw some. Saw, I saw something on Twitter the other day that were saying, oh, you know, the Bears are down by multiple scores. Matt Nagy's probably looking for something in the flats. You know, yeah, let's not take a deep shot. Let's make sure we play very conservative and not open up the playbook at all. And I think that's hurting Justin Fields more than probably anyone really realizes. What, what did we say, Bo? He needs to – they need to open up the playbook, get some more play I mean, action. And why then, are you paying Allen Robinson if you're not going to go downfield with the ball? That's I mean, true. I think that's what – I think that's one of the things he's best at. I mean, he can – he's he's an anytime, you know, any throw kind of receiver. But, I mean, but getting the ball downfield to him is 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 why you brought him to Chicago. So, so we got three no's that Daniel Jones is not the guy. Ron, you gave me a no, correct? Yep. 
Bo. It's a no from you. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's pretty much been a no for me since the day he was drafted. Yeah, it's a no for me also. I also don't think the problem is Daniel Jones is going to do do enough for them that you know they're not going to be looking at a quarterback in this class, and they probably won't look for one in the next class either because they're going to keep giving Daniel Jones more and more opportunities to prove them right. And I think a lot of times that hurts teams. You know that they keep hoping that that quarterback, the one, the guy they picked, or guy that they thought they, you know, they saw it in, proves them right. And a lot of teams will sit on that guy for too long, and you know it ends up screwing the team up. Hopefully they don't do that. Uh, I wouldn't draft a quarterback in this class. Probably, it's hard to say if you have a franchise quarterback in this class right now. So I wouldn't look in this class. Uh, maybe in the the next class or the class after that. Especially after seeing, you know, if it's two more years and Daniel Jones hasn't given you probably what he should have given you based off where he was drafted, uh, I think that's that's probably the time that, you know, it's, it's time to make a change at quarterback and it's time to draft another quarterback. But what was one of your takeaways from this week? One of my one of the, the games that kind of didn't blow me away but caught my attention was uh, was the Patriots. Um, I want to know what you think, but I think that they were really trying to make a statement with that Jets game, kind of kind of drawing a line in the sand between them and the bottom of the division and just kind of saying, you know, we're still here. We're a force to be reckoned with um, and, and just really we're dominating the, the that Jets team all game and we're still taking shots. As the game went on, they never really let their foot off the gas pedal. And uh, I want to know, you know, if you if you agreed and that, you know, if, if you thought Belichick was just kind of not putting the league on notice, but just kind of subtly putting it out there that they're they're not a bottom of the division team and that they still intend to compete big time this year. And no matter how bad they had beat, um, the, you know, whoever they were playing, uh the Bills are the best in that division, and I don't think there's there's nothing the Patriots are going to be able to do probably this year that's going to make me think anything other than. I mean, that. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm I understand. That, I understand that, that, that. You mean you don't just run up fifty four points on the Jets? You know, it's not like they need it for, you know. But it's they, the they, Jets. Yeah, I mean, it is the Jets, but I mean, <laughs> the, the Jets have, I'm sure, played a better football team this year, and they didn't throw 54 freaking points. I mean, <laughs> it's not that lethal of an offense, they, you know, there in New England right now. I mean, there's a rookie quarterback under center, for God's sakes. I mean, like, that's 54 points. I mean, it, it seemed to me like they were driving a point home. I, I would say, okay. Just a personal probably, take. Probably, probably driving, driving, getting a point across. I'm sure, you know, Bill might be a little bit frustrated with, you know, Mac Jones has played, you know, you could maybe argue that Mac Jones has played the best out of all the rookie quarterbacks this year. But I think it's probably getting a little frustrating in New England because, and Ron, I want to know if you agree with me with this. There is nothing on that New England offense that scares me. There's not one player. Hunter Henry's there. He's That's that's fine. Uh, I, I don't even know if you consider Hunter Henry right now a top six tight end in the league. Um You've got a rookie quarterback. You've got Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers out there. Jacoby Myers is their number one receiver. I don't think Jacoby Myers has scored a touchdown this year. The James White's banged up, obviously. I Damian think he Harris caught one last week. Did he actually? I thought yeah, he got called he, back. I there. think it was on the. Oh, I, mean, I don't know. It was I there was like a fake. I don't know if they got called back. I think they got called uh, back. But, but Ron, do you agree that there's nothing on the New England Patriots offense that really scares you if you're a defensive coordinator? The thing about Tom Brady that man maybe. Mac Jones is developed into that kind of guy. But the thing about New England is that Brady made those, you know, pedestrian, those average or above average receivers 
either very good or great, right? You know, like look at Julian Edelman, right? People think just because of Brady throwing in the ball in the playoffs that Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame, and there's no friggin' way in hell that Julian Edelman's a Hall of Fame. Absolutely, but yeah, Brady, I, I agree. But, but Tom Brady made him made some people believe that Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer, you know, and and so you know, look at uh, the different receivers that have come through New England. The uh, you know your your Troy Brown and and you know, um, oh God, they've had so much. Uh, Danny Amendola, you know. It was no coincidence that when Brady actually had a Hall of Fame receiver, that was the year they went 17 and 0. You know, with Randy Moss, or not 17 and 0, but you know, 16 and 0. It's in a 17 game season now. You know, they were actually 18 and 0 until they ran into uh, um, Eli Manning. No, and you're right. New England just doesn't have the weapons, but they ne- they never really had those dynamic weapons. Yeah, J- James White has been very very good. You know, but when you have a, a quarterback like Tom Brady or Brett Favre or John Elway or Aaron Rodgers you know those guys make everybody around them better and you're seeing that in New England with Tom Brady or excuse me in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady and and uh, you saw that's exactly what he did in New England yeah I think it's it's been kind of incredible to watch you know it was the biggest question in the NFL when Brady was leaving New England was okay now we're gonna see does that come from Bill Belichick is Tom Brady's Greatness come from Bill Belichick is the system, you know, the great coaching, everything like that. Or is Tom Brady actually the GOAT? And then, you know, he waltzes over to Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl in his first try. Yeah. Um, I, and and now, does this mean Bill Belichick's a bad coach? Hell no. Bill no, Belichick no. is still arguably the greatest coach of all time. And look, I'm from Wisconsin. The, the trophy says Lombardi. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who it was a few years ago, but some other Hall of Famer said that maybe they should rename the the trophy, the Belichick trophy. And I, you know what, even as a Wisconsin native who has, who has, you know, grew up with this reverence of Vince Lombardi, I would not be upset if that's a decision the NFL made sometime down, down the road after Belichick retired. I don't think I'd be upset about that, but I don't know about you. I, I, I would, I would support it. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think the guy, the guy's definitely earned it. I mean, it was the, he was the, the pinnacle of coaching for most of our lives. You know, so I would I would support it. I w- it would definitely wouldn't upset me. I mean, I don't have any ties to Wisconsin, but I would definitely understand why the NFL would make that move. Yeah, I think the only thing that would get me about that, but we were literally talking about this just a little while ago uh, about tradition. I think it would yeah. just be hard for me to to picture the Lombardi Trophy being called something else. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't I, have I, the I ring. I I doubt if the NFL would ever change it um, because of of the tradition, you know, and it's been. The Lombardi Trophy for since 1960, or actually, the first two years it was just called like the World Championship Trophy or something like that. But uh, which brings me to the Washington football team because you know they killed them. Vince Lombardi he left Green Bay, went to Washington for one year, and then died. The organization yeah. still toxic to this day. <laughs> <laughs> so for toxic. all you Washington haters, I know that, or who, for people who think I'm hating on Washington. Look, I, I, it was a joke. I know Vince Lombardi died of prostate cancer, okay? I I know, so don't oh, send gosh. me hate mail. Dude, I know that uh, I think Washington, just as a complete organization right now, uh, is just everything. Ever, ever, I feel like ever since the name change, and I'm not going to – I have no – uh, real opinion on the name change you know it was fine with me them changing it, it was fine with me you know if they wanted to keep it uh but i think ever since they've changed that name that that 
the organization just it, it's kind of been comical it's not comical what went on with uh with snyder and all that but but i think the whole thing with you know the way they but i know you and ron you remember this also the way what was it sean taylor's tribute the timing of that was absolutely horrible yeah i remember that uproar Oh my gosh, man! I mean, the organization—it's like they can't get something going right now. It, like, can't get anything right. Well, and then you've got this the amazing email stuff comes out, and so it was like, "Hey, don't look over there. Look at this over here." In three days, we're going to retire Sean Taylor's jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it just felt like a total distractionary PR stunt, and and that is that's not fair to the whole Sean Taylor family. No, no, it is not. It is extremely disrespectful. It was, it was, it was, yeah, they, they botched that big time. And everything, I, I feel so bad for Ron Rivera because he is like one of the truly good guys in football. But he went to, uh, 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 and he had to have known what he was getting himself into. So I guess he's got some culpability there. But he had to have known he was getting himself into just this toxic situation with a franchise that's been toxic for 10 years. And it's all comes, it all comes back to Daniel Snyder. And, I'll say this about Washington, though. In that Green Bay game, between the tens, Washington dominated the Packers. They just couldn't punch it into the end zone. They had first and goal inside the five like three times and came away with no points. I knew this was going to come up because, Ron, you were messaging me about it. I knew you were going to bring this up on the podcast. I was excited for you to bring it up, too, because you, you seemed pretty fired up about it. Yeah, I, I, I and, and, you know, I when I was at in Charlotte at Sporting News, I mean, the – the sporting news offices were, you know, a stone's throw from Bank of America Stadium. Okay, so I was around the Panthers quite a bit, especially in 2015. That year they went to the Super Bowl, and uh, Ron Rivera is just—I I bumped into him at a movie theater one time in in Charlotte. Uh, I, the first time I met him was at the Charlotte airport on my way up to the Indianapolis Combine, or to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. I mean. He knew I was new. This was February of 2015. I had just moved to Charlotte in December of 2014. And he was just like, he's he's introducing me to other Charlotte media members who were also at the terminal because he was, he knew I was new in town. Okay. That's just who Ron, Ron Rivera is. He's just such a good, a good person. And, and Taylor Heineke, I knew how good Taylor Heineke was when he was at ODU and he was the Walter Payton man of the, uh, Walter Payton award winner, which is like the FCS Heisman, right? Well, they played East Carolina when o- ODU was still a, 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 an FCS team. And ECU had Shane Carden, who had a cup of coffee with the Chicago Bears a few years ago. But um, they, they had Justin Hardy, who was the NCAA's all-time leading, leading receiver until his teammate Zay Jones passed him at ECU. But anyway, ECU had a really dynamic offense that year. And, and uh, Taylor Heineke went toe-to-toe with Shane Carden. And East Carolina ended up winning that game like 54 to 42 or something like that. So I, I knew then that, that Taylor Heineke had had skills. And so what he's been able to do in the NFL, it hasn't really surprised me. He showed against Green Bay that, you know, he, he can make some plays. He had that nice long run for a first down. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think t- Taylor Heineke as what an undrafted guy is what the New York Giants would love Daniel Jones to be, to bring it back to the start of the conversation. And uh, it, it, it's just I, I feel terrible for the people in the Washington organization, the players and coaches, because the toxicity of that franchise, almost all of it has nothing to do with the guys on the roster or the guys on the coaching staff. And yeah. when, whenever, if the NFL forces Daniel Snyder, I, I think 
you're going to see a complete turnaround with with Washington, and then they could be back as as one of the traditional NFL contenders. But it all comes back to Daniel Snyder. Bo and myself, we talked a lot about how how much, especially you know, before the season got started, and we were starting up the the podcast for this coming season. We talked a ton, Bo, about how much we expected from that Washington defense. Did we both and, picked them to win the division. And you told me, you told me the other day, you're like, man, this is just going to be the complete opposite of of anything oh, yeah. that I expected. I mean, uh, it, it really has. I mean, I, I expected the front seven to just be to be much better this year. And, and to your point, Ron, I think Taylor Heineke has been a uh, a bright spot for that team. I mean, the dude is an absolute competitor. He is a baller. He's such a fierce competitor. I mean, you can tell how bad he wants to win the games. He does everything possible. He'll take the licks, the hard licks, um, out there scrambling out of the pocket to get the first down. Um, and, I mean, I, to be honest with you, man, the more and more I watch him, I mean, I'm I'm kind of impressed with his arm talent. I mean, he he hits some, some tough throws, man. I mean, he puts it on the money. Um, and I think him and Terry McLaurin have, have definitely got some chemistry now because you'll see him. Oh, definitely. Terry, Terry and him have definitely got are synchronized right now, and, and he makes some amazing plays with Terry. Have you seen the the stat or uh, Terry McLaurin's like nine, nine or I don't know if it's more than nine, but I think it's at least nine contesting catches past the second guy in the league on contesting catches this year. That's ridiculous. I mean, and you were just no. saying this. And he's he undersized by all you know, all accounts if you look at some of the guys playing outside receiver in the league today. I mean, he's not the biggest cat out there, and he's still getting up after the ball. He just can't be denied. I think coming out of Ohio State, he was a really good prospect. I, I don't think you could deny that. But I don't think anyone would have really gone out there and said, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be the number one on a team. You, you just wouldn't have thought I, that. I, I, I would have seen Terry yeah, McLaurin as a very, very good number two. I mean, but, I mean, the, the dudes. Like I said, same thing with Heineke, man. I mean, the guy is a competitor, and he's a really good route runner. He's got really good hands, and, and like you were saying, but I mean, the dude will go up and high point the football and go up for those contested catches, and he nine times out of ten comes down with them. And he definitely, and he's one. He's definitely not afraid to take a lick in the process either. I mean, he, no, he, he he's not. one of the on top of just of being fast and having great hands. I mean, he's he's a tough guy as well. He's physical. For his yeah. size, he, he yeah. plays bigger than he is. That's Absolutely. that's for sure. He, he's got a, just a little Steve Smith in him. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Definitely a little bit of Steve Smith. I mean, that, he play, the, I think he plays with it with an attitude, and I mean, just still being in the situation he's in, and like we we are praising Heineke now, and I give him that same praise. He's he's really proven that he does belong in the league, um, and and even in that in the situation in the dumpster fire of a front office, I mean, he continues to excel and make the tough plays to to give them the fighting chance. Look, I I grew up in 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 Wisconsin, and you know, as as a Packers fan, and I. You know, watching that game, I'm just like, man, Washington is doing – they are outplaying Green Bay, but they're just not able to capitalize inside the 10-yard line. And I'm, I feel fortunate that – or the Packers, rather, should be, feel fortunate that they won that game because they really didn't deserve to win that game. You know, now they got hit with the news that Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, their top two receivers, might both be out for Thursday's game because of the COVID protocol. So, yeah, you know, um, and, and that was supposed to be a marquee matchup and kind of a test for the Packers, but also the Cardinals. So, like, even if the Packers win that game without their top two receivers, okay, yeah, they're legit. But if Arizona wins that game, because people still question Arizona, if Arizona wins that game, you're going to be looking at the at Arizona like, okay, yeah, well, they beat the Packers without Adams, without Alan Lazard. How good are they really, you know? 
So, oh, yeah. well, uh, I'm not gonna lie, Ron. You're, we were we were talking about that last week, Jacob. Yeah, you're talking to two guys right now that, and and I really really hate myself for everything I'm about to say, but I still do question <laughs> the Cardinals. I, I, Ron, I, I'm telling you, and I've told Bo this on the last episode. It could have been the episode before. I don't remember. They're seven and zero. They've won the big games. They've done everything they need to do. They it should already be like fresh in my mind. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't just beat the Rams. They beat up on the Rams. I mean, it was they ran away from it was the Rams. A, it was definitely one. It was it was one sided. It was one sided for sure. It, it, Ron, like like you said, people question the the Cardinals. It's something in me, Ron. I don't know what it is because I I, I love watching Kyler Murray play. Jake, Jacob, do team. you think it? Do you think it's because the, the Cardinals aren't a team that's that's won a Super Bowl yet? You think that there's Probably. just like a stigma around? When you when you think about the Arizona Cardinals, you don't think, oh, they're winning a Super Bowl this year. Okay. I mean, and and that's kind of that's I've been thinking of last week. That's kind of something that's holding me back. I was just saying that's kind of like blaming the son for the sins of his father, and I'm trying not to do that. Well, the Cardinals have, have in their hundred year history, you know, that from Chicago to St. Louis to Phoenix, they've to Glendale, they've never been a perennial contender. They've always mm-hmm. had these little spikes where they have a couple good years. So yeah. I, th- that that's what you know is, is why you question it. Okay, are they for real? Because the Cardinals have never have, have never had any sustained success. And if if they beat the Packers on on Thursday, then yeah, you're gonna it's gonna be the same kind of deal because people are still question them because it'll be the yeah but you know so absolutely. Ron, thanks for coming <laughs> on, man. Uh, me and Bo loved having you. And again, congrats on the book. And Bo, Ron was telling me the other night that he uh, wishes this could have been in person with beers in all of our hands. And I told yeah, him that yeah. is going to have to happen soon. So, Ron, uh, plan on that happening. I will be in the future, man. I'll be in contact and we'll be drinking beers. And that this will all be in person. Thank you. And uh, for your listeners, the book is a sports fan's guide to Route 66. And you can get it pretty much anywhere uh, books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, you know, maybe even your local bookstores. So thanks so much, guys. All right, Bo. So I've, I've got you just here now, and, it, and it's the perfect timing. Okay. This is, this okay. Is the okay. Bo, are my Bengals playoff bound? God, I knew you were going here. Come on, come on, gas me up. Come on. I need oh it. Oh, my need God. And number I one, in the, AF, uh, number one in the AFC North. Okay. Number one in the AFC North. Five and two right now. I, I, I want you to be, to be honest with me and tell me what you see. I think we look really good, but I want to hear it from you. Are we playoff bound? I think I think you are playoff bound. I mean, obviously there's a heck of a lot of season left. I mean, we're not even technically through the halfway point uh, at this at this moment, but I, I believe you are. I mean, the the way, especially your the best part of your defense is what's going to stop the second best team in the division, the Ravens. You know, you your run defense is is better than pass defense, and you're this year the offensive line isn't great. But it's getting the job done, and mm-hmm. you're actually able to control clock if your first down run plays and or in your or your second down short pass don't work out. Yeah, do hear you crack a beer as I just mm-hmm. as I just shower you with Bengals comments. I hate you so much, um, but I think that you're able to convert the long third downs that you weren't able to before because the defense is now and even before this past week where he went for 200 yards, defenses were already respecting Jamar Chase's game and committing help to him, um, which has really just opened up you know Uzama to be a third and long guy, a red zone threat. Even Uzama's breaking 50 yard touchdowns now. I mean. He he's moving down the field, and honestly, he's one of the players in your team that's really impressed me the most because 
he's just become such a dynamic weapon as he's a he's a he's too fast for a linebacker he's too big for a db and he could even outrun some dbs especially if he gets the jump on you um he's really been one that you know every, every time i'm watching i'm keeping my eyes out for that big play to uzama so um i think you're just doing a lot of the things that you couldn't do well before um and i think that your defense stopping the run is going to help you get that second win on baltimore that i think will will win you the division and not to mention the top two teams i'm going to leave the steelers out of this just i'm going to leave it completely out of this because the browns and the and baltimore have even though the Browns' record is right around where the Steelers is, I think that they've shown that they've been a better team when they're healthy than Pittsburgh is. Um, I think you're able to stop with what they do best, which is also running the ball. Now, the Browns might have the most formidable front line to contest your run defense, but still, I think that you're able – it's like your team – is setting itself up to deal with the division the best to get back on top of the division. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of impressive things going on right now, including Jamar chase, who's having the best first seven games of any receivers career. If people didn't know, um, he's absolutely tearing it up. So, and that 80 yard touchdown definitely helped him get to that point. Talking about Jamar chase. I, I don't even know if it's fair to say we were extremely high on it. Me and you both were hey, number one. Unbelievably, there was. I wasn't Devonta, worried about the drops in preseason either. No. Not even a little. Devonta Smith was, and if I remember correctly, I know he was mine. I think he was your number two ranked receiver yeah. coming into the to the uh, draft this year. And it wasn't one A one B. It was Jamar Chase. Exactly, one. exactly. And it was so impressive because you know Jamar Chase had taken a year off of football. Devonta yeah. Smith had just won that Heisman. And the mm-hmm. Blitnikoff, and I, and I just butchered that word, so I'm just going to keep rolling. Blitnikoff award, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I you didn't do too bad. That. Yeah, not too bad. But Chase, you know, the, the biggest thing with him coming in was, okay, well, they said Chase was the best probably wide receiver prospect probably in the last five years. I, I told you, Bo, that I had him over guys like uh, A.J. Brown and um, like I'm trying to think. Well, uh, yeah, I had him over DK. I think DK is just a physical I think it, specimen. I think it was a, a more rounded, a better rounded game. He is exactly DK. what you look for. It, yeah. it, pretty much it in everything, especially after he ran what a four three nine forty. When he yeah. did that, it was like okay, like now this is getting out of hand. Like he's doing yeah. everything. Right? <laughs> but I think the biggest thing was okay. What well, you guys said, he's bigger than you know a better prospect than Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, you know, breaks breaks the rookie receiving record. And, you know, people were kind of like, you know, no chance he does that. You know, not, not the year after. And he's definitely oh, he, on pace He is to on do pace it. currently for 1,800 receiving. He's, he's going to yeah, He's not going to hit that. He's not going to hit. I don't think he'll hit 1,800. But I, I don't, don't know, Jacob. I don't see him stopping. <laughs> they just faced Marlon Humphrey, dog. Like, <laughs> he went for 200. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm just trying like, to I'm trying to say this just so it will happen. But Well, I understand. I, I wouldn't go out there and predict 1,800. I, but, I, I, but, but he's on chase. He's on on chase. He's on pace for a lot. Should we just say start saying on chase? He's on. He's, he's on the chase. He's, he's, he's on, on chase for a lot right, right now. Yeah, I mean, he right really now. is. He but, really, really is. But this is doesn't even have anything to do with him as a prospect. Joe uh, Jamar Chase man saved the Bengals. And when I say saved the Bengals, and I was thinking about this today, and I've put a lot of thought into it. Jamar Chase saved Joe Burrow, and you know, with that, saved the Bengals. We heard a lot of issues Joe Burrow was having with confidence. He was really worried about the knee. Um, it was a real big mental problem with him coming into this season. He looked rattled, didn't want anyone to make any contact with his knee, which is normal. It was a horrible injury. 
But we were worried as Bengals fans, okay, that's going to come into the year. That is going to follow him into the year, and it is going to be something that he can't get out of his head. And in all honesty, I think what Chase has done, other than be, you know, for sure the current offensive rookie of the year choice um, and just a, a fantastic playmaker, he has come in and I think reuniting with Burrow, the guy that, you know, those two guys had a record breaking season at LSU together. I think it's been more fun for Burrow. And in all honesty, I believe it's gotten his mind off his knee injury. Yeah. And one of the things that I took away is that it seems, it seems like it's made him settle in more and it's, it's, I think it's helped the whole offense play better in a way that the ball isn't in Burrow's hands as long. There's a guy that's open more times than he's not open. And the problem, the reason the quarterback holds the ball and leaks out of the pocket and gets hit and blows his knee to pieces is because he's got no one open downfield and he's trying to keep the play alive. Now he's got a guy that's getting open twice as much as any other receiver on his team, even though you have a, a litter of good receivers. You know, he's a guy that is demanding help and still getting open. And it's it's making it easier for Joe Burrow to get rid of the football. Hence Uzama's big season he's having. I mean, hence I mean Tyler Boyd's still contributing. Auden Tate's had some big touchdowns. I mean, it's the ball's going all over the field and it's easier for him to do that. And I think it's it's making it better for us too. You know, Joe Mixon's you know on pace to have the best season he's ever had with the Bengals currently. And you, throw you think all Jamar together. Chase hasn't helped that? I oh, he definitely he has. has. He definitely has. I, I think you know we're talking about Jamar Chase a lot, and you know you just said a lot of names. You know, people forget T. Higgins was a rookie last year that had 900 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, it didn't even play two games. I mean, T. Higgins is an absolute stud. He's a, he was the first pick in the second round. I mean, this guy sh- probably should have been a first rounder. If it was more based on, you know, if there had been more wide receiver need, he would have been a first rounder. Yeah. I mean, the, the obviously demand in the draft every year changes and, and it dictates some guy's draft position. And we, in the, in the day to day talk about the draft, you might not get people, you know, getting into that as much, you know, why this guy's here and why that guy's there due to the demand that year per team per you know what each team needs especially the ones at the higher end of the first round I mean you never know what they're looking for and you know speaking of the draft I think that the Jamar Chase thing has really helped uh prove the Sewell you know side wrong the people you know and I was kind of one of those guys like oh you guys messed up you know how is he going to get the ball to Jamar Chase when he can't keep stay upright in the pocket you know and He's it's it's honestly helped him get the ball out quicker, and that's how he's staying upright because the line didn't get all that much better. Speaking of, about Sewell, real quick, I want to stop you right there. Did you see Sewell, a rookie, standing up and playing fierce with Aaron Donald? I knew you saw that clip. Aaron Donald and him got into a little bit of a scrum, and Penny Sewell did not back down. Man, I mean, it was a lot of pushing and shoving, jawing back and forth, and. I love Sewell did that because because that's going to earn him a lot of respect for his teammates. Pushing well, him, and getting. I think it's good for the whole Lions team. I mean, it, it just, is. It's just you know, especially when you're a rookie and the rookies are the ones who get hit that wall and they get tired out of the season and they're ready to just pack it up and and rest for the off season and take their check, you know, and and get around to really knowing what it's like to be a pro the next year. I mean, it, that's Sewell standing up for them and even though they're not winning the game and you know and i think that's that dan campbell mentality 
I mean, I loved watching it, I, and I still love Sewell. Sewell was a, an amazing prospect. I mean, he, and, and he's been he's been pretty good. I mean, it's he's not been like pretty he's good. been the reason the Lions now, now have been bad. Now he hasn't been my Rashawn Slater though. Okay, sure, sure, but, but I, I don't. But the Lions he got a guy. The Lions, yeah, he hasn't made the Lions regret drafting him. Definitely yeah, yeah. not. No, 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 the Lions have a guy have their perennial left tackle for the next 12, 13 years, unless they're down in the limb walk, which would be a Lions move. I mean, that's a guy that should be playing left tackle in Detroit for the next 12, 13 years. Plus, he's extremely young. I don't. He hasn't even tapped into his potential yet, which is scary. The dude's twenty. And he's, you know, bullying some defensive linemen out there in the NFL. The Lions should be happy with what they got. I know a lot of people question what we did with Chase, but I- I'm happy with what we've gotten from Chase so far. And the offensive line, the biggest thing is it just hasn't been as bad as people thought it was going to be. And that's all we needed. All we needed was the line to just be a little bit better. You know, they, they adding Riley Reef, And I- I'm not going to lie, Jackson Carmen had some pretty good reps. When I was well, watching, what was it. that play this week where they they looked up at the the coaches box and they were all losing their minds? Wasn't it because Jackson Carmen like made some big block or something to spring oh, a big the, run play? He, he took the guy like fifteen yards. Yeah, yeah, and it was sick. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I know loved that watching. Made the, I know that made the coaches happy. Not, it was everything that, that I thought wouldn't happen. Yeah, I'll come out here and say at first the dude could end up being a pro bowler and I could not absolutely stand one. I literally sent you a sent you a picture of I, I don't I was a picture or a text or something and said I wanted to change NFL teams when we picked him in the second round because I was a big Samuel Cosme guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think we could have thrown that was before we I got think, Riley. I think you made the right choice over Cosme though. He's been better. Yeah, he has been better. He has uh, been better. I also do think it's easier to play interior than, you know, tackle, though, which is what caused me playing. But, um, and transitioning topics, did you see um, there was a couple trades this week. Uh, Kenny Young got traded at the Broncos, and Joe Flacco got traded as well. What do you yeah, think of that? The Jets. Uh, you think Flacco's going to play over that other rookie? I mean, he probably should. I mean, yeah. But, but I mean, the chances the Jets stay competitive this year is, you know, very slim. It, it's it's kind of troubling that it's not good that Zach Wilson, you know, came out and struggled. And, I, you know, and all quarterbacks, all the rookie quarterbacks have struggled this year. But it's bad that he struggled and is now injured. That's just normally as a concoction to – to make it harder down the road on a rookie and bringing in another quarterback. I get he's a veteran. That's fine. I feel like Joe Flacco's played for almost every team in the NFL. They should probably play him, I guess. I mean, I would, I would hope this isn't something that they're bringing him in. And when Zach Wilson's healthy, Joe Flacco's still playing because that is a mistake. And that, that would be one of the worst decisions the jets could possibly make. Zach Wilson needs every, absolutely every rep he can get right now. But I, I don't know what to make of that. I, I imagine they're bringing him in just because Zach Wilson is hurt and the other rookie just isn't cutting it. So I mean, that, that's what I would say. I mean, especially after yeah. losing the way they did against the Patriots, I would say that's why Jay Flacco is being, being brought in. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this. What, what is your biggest surprise this year? I'm, I'm going to give you three options, okay? So what's the bigger surprise? Bengals 5-2, and two, Chiefs 3-4, and four, or Cardinals 7-0? and oh? I feel like that's a tough one, too. Uh, that's a very tough one. I mean, it's almost a three-way tie, to be honest, because – but it, if I had to pick one that's really, really got me, 
probably the Chiefs three and four, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it shocked a lot more people. I mean, I think I think the people people expected the Bengals to start taping taking leaps at some point. It just may not have been this fast. Um, I mean, you don't spend your you know two top five picks on a quarterback and a receiver to not you know make your offense better and the yeah. offense is tenfold better. So I mean, I think that the, the Bengals were gonna were gonna make a leap to to you know a competitive level at some point. It's just happened quicker than we thought. But we like we touched on um, that you were talking about earlier. The Jamar Chase Burrow connection has allowed that leap to happen a lot quicker. Um, and the Cardinals have a guy that you know, especially you have been high on in Kyler Murray in you know MVP conversations. And I think we knew that he was gonna take that you know that step into the elite category because he's so dynamic with his feet you know he throws a beautiful football and he's you know got that baseball town and shoot you know people still don't even know if he's ever going to take a you know a shot at baseball in the future just because it you know there's money there there's more money there i mean and you know in a, in some worlds he might be able to do both you know and i think that i don't think that anyone thought the chiefs defense would this be big of a be this big of a problem um, you, it's like in the, the whole, the chiefs can't run the ball, you know, a lick. And I think that a lot of people haven't looked at how bad the running game could be because they spent a first round pick on Clyde Edwards Hilaire and thought that, oh, that's all they need. They got Mahomes, you know, and now there's injuries happening. The line's not as good. Mahomes is under duress and making skeptical decisions too, with the football at times. Um, and, now there's just all these question marks and you have this big contract to, to juggle with Mahomes. And I thought that, you know, with with how great they've been, that we would that it would just stay that way. I think he was my preseason MVP pick just because I was, you know, in my head, I was just thinking, and I'm one of these people. I was just I, thinking, I oh, definitely think you went just, Josh I, Allen. I don't know if I went Josh Allen, man. I think, I think that was you. I think we both went Josh Allen. I don't know if I did or not, but in the past years, I'd just say Pat Mahomes because honestly, it's so it's it was pretty much an easy choice. It's like I mean, this guy is going to sling it all over the yard, and not many people are going to stop him. But I didn't stop to to look behind Pat Mahomes and wonder how bad the run game would be. You just think, oh, Chiefs will be okay, and and I think now you're starting to see all these gaping holes in the team, and it's like, holy crap, the Chiefs have a problem. I mean, there is a there is a formula to beat the Chiefs. It's on tape now. So I think and it's on tape multiple times. It's not yeah. just like you, you got one game. You know, you got one game tape, and you're like, okay, yeah, like the, this this team was able to stop them. Yeah. It, it, this is this is like an ongoing problem, and it's like, okay, yeah, we've got them now. Like, yeah, we've and, and it out. People think that offensive coordinators, because the offenses are so dynamic now, that they're the real guys moving chess pieces in the league. But defensive coordinators have to do, in my opinion, way more work to have good performances. I mean, it yeah. you have to do a lot of homework on these offenses these days. And, you know, I think that, that that's been an issue. Well, I would, I would say bias in a biased way. I would say the Bengals have shocked me the most because as a Bengals fan and going through what I go through on a, on a season to season basis, I cannot believe that we are in the, the position we are right now. And I could not be happier. Uh, I actually don't know what I'm happier about. I don't know if it's, I'm happier about Cincinnati or if I'm more happy about Georgia right now. It's it's one of the greatest <laughs> well, sports and, years of my life, <laughs> and and I just know something horrible is going to happen. It, yeah, so, yeah. It, it, it can only go like this. Jo- so Georgia's going to lose to Bama soon. Don't, 
no. Well, you, you already know my thoughts <laughs> no, on that. We'll, we'll be like, waiting for like that. We'll, we'll wait for him. I like, I don't give, I don't care who wins that game. I just like to get under your skin with that. Yeah, I know like, you do. But yeah, you always, I, even though I know that's what you're doing, you always. Yeah, I mean, I, I could care less who wins that game. I just like to rile your, you know, ruffle your feathers a little bit. Rile. Uh, you up. I, I think, I think, if you want me to be honest, though. I think it's the most shocking me Cardinals are seven and zero. who would have told who could have told you at the beginning of the season, the Cardinals will be seven and zero right now. Nobody. Yeah, could have told I don't, I that. don't think anyone, I think a lot of people would have projected them to lose to the Rams. You know, if, if there was going to be one loss and, you know, they showed up and, and dominated that game. I, th- I think if, if you had told me and you know, the chiefs going to be three and four, well, I would have assumed something would have happened to Patrick Mahomes. Something happened week one or week two when Patrick Mahomes missed time. That's why I would have thought that would happen. Now, if you would have said, yeah, the chiefs are going to be three and four and the team's healthy. I would have been like, you know, what planet are you from? You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't I, like explain. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but, but again, I, I think the, the Cardinals are being seven and oh, it's just, you know, it would have been the most shocking thing you could have they, told and, me. Well, they they games. have been they have been the better team in a lot of their games. In a lot of their games, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. They played Titans week one. I think they were the better team. Vikings week two, they're better team, even though that was a close game. Jaguars way better team than the Rams game. I would have preseason projected yeah, them to lose. When you got Niners, to the Rams, I think they, they beat they up win. the Rams so bad. Yeah, go, keep going though. But I mean, then the and then the Browns game was one of the ones in you know week six that really got me. I was like, holy crap! They steamrolled the Browns, thirty-seven to fourteen. That's kind of crazy. And then they played the Texans last week, and they, you know, of course they're gonna just trounce the Texans. I mean, they're they're a absolutely. Let, let me say let me say a fun fact about the Texans game. I thought the Texans game. I saw the spread on that. I was, you know, going through my weekly bets and what I wanted to do. Uh, again, guys. Again, I'm I'm horrible. I did not get Bo's bets this weekend again. I had a wedding to go to. All right. Before we get off, I got a couple at the bottom of the notes. Oh, I've got you. I've got you. We're definitely gonna get to those. Uh, but the spread for the Cardinals Houston game was Houston plus twenty and a half, and I was like, I wouldn't touch that at all. And of <laughs> course, they, they, then they beat them plus. 10 more points on top of that. I was like, my yeah. God, this offensive is rolling. Man. I just had to that out there. Another fun stat for the game. That's the first NFL game in history that ended 31 to five. Yeah. So wait, are you following that score? Gami thing? No, I heard Scorigami. it on the broadcast. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's a Twitter account guys. If you guys want to go check it out, it's called score and they track every game, um, you know, every year. And they <coughs> try to find what they call score and Scorigami is when they, they it hits a final score that has never happened before. Um, and that was one of the games. And, and you know, throughout the game, they'll tell you the percentage of it ending up in Scorigami or not Scorigami or whatever. It's pretty cool. And I just ran across it the other day. So if you guys are interested in, in weird and odd stats, definitely give them a follow on Twitter. But, yeah, yeah, it was a uh, very odd score. Uh, was it 31 to 5? Yeah, thirty-one to five. Yeah, yep. Definitely. Uh, one of the last things I'm gonna ask you about before we get to your betting. All right, Lions right now currently have the number one overall pick in the in the 2022 NFL draft. If you're the Lions, you're the GM of the Lions, Bo. Gosh. Uh, you you got Jay. I know, hell of a job. Uh, you got Jared Goff at quarterback right now. You just you know got him in a trade from the uh, Rams, and I'm not gonna say he's playing terrible. I think he's doing all right for what he's got. Um, but are you reaching for your potential franchise quarterback in this draft class, or are you going best player available? 
Um, and I feel like it's a I'm tough not, question because they're I'm probably not, not going to stick with the, golf. Well, I agree that they probably won't stick with golf, but I just don't know if this is the class yet that you're going to want to make that reach. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Some of these quarterbacks, I, I'm just not sure. Um, I think that they've they've had some pretty blown picks in their secondary that's killing them right now too. You know, and if if best player available is a game changing defensive player for them, I think that that could be worth doing. Um, they've moved on from some guys, and the what what's it? What was his Ohio State? Uh, Okuda uh, Okuda hasn't worked out at all this year. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and even when he was on the field, well, wasn't when he that, was on the. But I'm saying it's making it worse. The guy's it, not. Even yeah, absolutely. He's not getting reps, and when he has had reps, it hasn't been the most impressive reps. Even though he looked like the most fluid cornerback we've seen in years when we were watching him in the draft process, we both had him number one, and it was like it, it was a it was another you know Jamar Chase situation where it wasn't a one A one B. It was Jeff Okuda was had set himself apart, yeah. and this is what you've gotten out of it. And so I think that if there is a defensive player that you can get your hands on, um, and I think Dan Campbell would might think that way too. If you got a hard nose, uh, you know, blue collar, just game changing defensive player that you can get your hands on, that if he's a better prospect, not if he's the best football player in the draft. Not you know, not you know who's got the most the most hype behind them, who's throwing the most touchdowns, the best football player in the draft. If there's some guy, a guy like that, they feel strongly on on defense. I could see them doing that, but if not, I mean, not to mention, I feel like a team like that's going to have you know more picks than your average NFL team to go through this year as well. And I mean, if you can if you can land on another quarterback later to keep your head above water and you can get a game changer on defense and wait for a better quarterback. I mean, what do the Lions have to lose? You know, I mean, they haven't been competitive in 20 plus years. Why all of a sudden, if if you think that in another year and you're, and you're committed to Dan Campbell, that you can get a better quarterback then and have a game changing player for your team on the side of the ball, that's hurting bad. Um, I think you got to go with that. And there's, that's a lot there to digest. But I think you can agree with me on that. If if you have a guy that you just can't turn down on defense, I mean, you, I feel like you'd have to take him, especially with the rough patches they've had in the secondary and the linebacker. I, th- I think I agree with you. I don't know if I'm going – actually, I pretty much do know. I'm not, I'm not going to go quarterback in this class uh, if I'm sitting number yeah, one so overall. You feel the same I, I, way I do about them. Yeah, I'm going class. Kayvon Thibodeau. Up to yeah. this point, I don't think there's a guy – there are some good guys. There are some good defenders in this class at, at – all three levels of the defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, though, I think is the the star of this class. He's the guy that's going to transition the easiest, and uh, it, it, he's just a stud, man. Like I, I think I told you, it was two weeks ago. He was coming off an injury. Only played um, only played twenty two, I think, uh-huh. snaps and had eleven pressures. And yeah, it's just and like the guy. The guy. He, he's unstoppable. I mean, he's I mean, one that's of those the guys second. That's, that's the second most important position on a football team to the quarterback, in my opinion. In my opinion, it goes quarterback, dominant pass rush, edge or defensive end, and then depending on what your defense is, and then left tackle. Yeah. Then you then you build around from there. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's going to be people out there, and you know, people might not be saying this yet, but they're going to, and I can promise you, uh, they're going to say, well, you know, this guy plays for Oregon. You know, he, he's playing against Pac-12 
you know, Pac-12 offensive lineman. Okay, we'll put this dude in the SEC, and I promise you he's still going to be doing the same thing. He's that type of guy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if he's not coming from the Big Ten or the SEC. This guy is an absolute stud, and, and he is – when you watch his game, it just screams star. This guy's going to yeah. be a, a superstar in the NFL. And, you know, and then going back to the quarterbacks in this coming class, you know, you've got guys like Desmond Ritter. You've got uh, um, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. You know, Spencer Rattler has has dropped off, you know, very badly. Uh, Sam Howell, you could almost say the same thing for him. Uh, a guy I'm high on, Carson Strong out of Nevada. He's another guy. But, you know, it's no, there is no one in this class. Last year we had guys to pick from, like Zach Wilson, who had some of the best arm talent we've ever seen. You had Trevor Lawrence, whose resume spoke for itself. You had Justin Fields, who was a, a baller and looked like he was made in a lab, looked like he created him on Madden. Trey Lance, who had absolutely blown the doors off all the teams he had played, but had played you know limited snaps. And then you had Mac Jones, a guy who was leading Alabama and and had some of the best ball placement abilities in the class. You don't have guys like that that this year. Uh, I'm actually really excited to jump into all the quarterback film this year, go through it, and see what I think about the guys. I have no idea how I'm going to rank these guys either. I haven't done any rankings yet, anything like that. So I am excited to start doing that. But, uh, Bo, to your point, yeah, I think I'm going best player available and. If that's the case, and it goes how I think it should go, that Detroit should have a guy named Kayvon Thibodeau on their defense next year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have a – that's exactly what I was getting at with the whole game changer on defense. Like, that is a position they need. It's a position that they're 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 not getting enough they, pressure They've made at. it a pass rusher for the last five years, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and it's – and they haven't gotten anyone of note. I, I, I almost can't tell you – anyone on that defensive line right now and it's something they would need and i honestly think if you're committing to dan campbell and you know what what do you have to lose get yourself a baller on defense and then when the quarterbacks get better you're you know you can draft one it's not it's not like you won't be in a good draft spot in a few years or in one more year if, if you're just getting an edge player i mean they can't throw touchdowns for you yeah. Um, and I mean, there will be guys mixing it up on the market. They're going to need a job. So I think, I think you got to go with the best player on defense available, which well, is good. He it's Thibodeau and he's going to be there where I'm they're sure, going to likely pick. I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure whatever the lines do will, will definitely be interesting and probably somewhat odd and possibly the wrong decision because we all talking about detroit uh yeah. Bo, give us some of your bets man i want to hear i want to hear the, i want to hear the good bets this week the good bets this week i really like the Bengals minus eight and a half on the jets i couldn't believe that that was an eight and a half point spread when i opened it up i mean you just put up 40 points on baltimore and the jets got 54 put up on them by new england and your offense is you know, le- leaps and bounds better than New England's. And I, I just don't see how that's, you know, going to be, you know, less than a nine-point game. So I jumped on that ASAP before it moved because I ex- I fully expect it to move. Um, and I actually put that in as a teaser with Buffalo minus 13.5 versus Miami. Um, so I got both those spreads down uh, six points. So that'd be minus 2.5 against the Jets. And that'll be um, minus seven and a half with Miami, and I think both of those are are pretty much locks with the teams they're playing. I I don't see how either of those games are, are that close, so I I jumped on those as straights and as a teaser. Um, and then I kind of like 
This is one I've been questioning myself a little bit on, but I kind of like the Bears as home dogs against the Niners. Uh, the, the Bears just seem to play different at home. They keep games low scoring and tight. Uh, the stadium average is below 50, I believe, this season, and I think all time. Um, they keep it they keep it tight at home. They, they just play different. Um, so I went ahead and, and, and jumped on that, and I might regret. That's one of my, you know, you might regret this games. Um, and I actually like the Steelers opened up at plus three and a half versus the Browns. And I mean, I know Keenum is a formidable backup, um, but our defense is is getting healthier. It's starting to get better with the, the crop that we have left after all the injuries. And I think that game is going to be closer uh, than some people think it will be. I mean, especially with Keenum out there, I don't see the Browns just flooring us and they might not even have their running backs out there. And I don't know if I see Dearness Johnson doing what he did uh, last week on us per se. So that's what I'm interested in. And I, I want to take it as a bit of a homer bet too. Um, and then I got another teaser in, and this is the one I'll end on. Um, I did a teaser, which is pl- six points added to your spread. And I did Titans, Bengals, and Bills. So I just pretty much just added the Titans to it, um, which brought the Titans to plus five against the Colts. And that seems like a, no- a no-brainer to add to a teaser. Um, and if you want to get dicey, you could even throw the Rams in there. Um, I like them as a teaser this week as well. You're going to make some money this week. You're going to make the <laughs> listeners some money. Well, Hopefully yeah. me some money if I can ever remember to take your bets and put them in. Last week is a, is a, was a bad week for betters just all around. It, it, it was not, not Personally, a good I think all the spreads were horrible. I'm going to be honest. I didn't place one bet last week uh, or this past weekend just because I didn't like any of the spreads. They were either too low or too high. It was nothing in that middle ground. Where I was like, yeah, let me jump on that. Yeah, there there wasn't a lot of good ones. Um, I ended up not having a good day during the one o'clock games, and I basically tried to hedge my losses and just put an abnormal hammer down on uh, on Tampa Bay because I thought they were going to do exactly what they did to the Bears. I didn't think it would be close at all, and so I pretty much just put a big bet down on them to kind of hedge my losses a bit and it, and it paid off. So I kind of gained some ground back last week and there, there's, there's plenty of people out there who will tell you this past week was, was not a good betting week and some same game parlays between Sunday night and the Monday night game. I took some easy same game parlays and, um, and, and turned that around to, to get myself back to something I can even play on. It, it, it almost felt like I was on in, at a casino this weekend because I kept losing bets, and then I put a big one in, and then I'd come back, and then I'd lose two bets, and then I'd put two more in, and I'd come back. And it was just like, ugh. Like, I'm, I'm starting to see why this this is gets tough on some people. They get hooked on it. Because, I mean, it, it was a roller coaster between Sunday at 1 o'clock and Monday night, for sure. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what uh, – I need to jump on that. Well, see, I won't see. I won't ever bet on my own teams. So I mean, so the dude, you got to think about that. Everyone's against. Well, I'll end with this. I'll stop talking after this. But everyone's against betting on your own team. But who do you have a better line on whether they're going to win or lose than your team? Who That's do you know true, more, but who I feel do like you know it's more bad about? Voodoo, you? Man, you don't I mean, better luck. Bad luck and all that, and jinxing teams. At the end of the day, it's superstition, and and these teams don't know what you're doing, what you're laying. I mean. It, you can't. You just gotta. If you want to make some money, you kind of gotta turn a blind eye. I mean, I when the Steelers played the Packers, I knew we were gonna lose. Like, and I mean, I won't lie. Like, I I took 
I took a bet that I figured we were going to lose, and we did, and I made like $80. And, yeah, we lost, and I was pissed off, but $80 made me feel better. So, you see, my, my, Bengals, my Bengals are playing too good right now, and I know the moment I throw a dollar down on them, um, even a penny, it's all going to fall it, apart. But if you think it's because you put a penny on it, then you're trying not to look at your own team's problems because your team probably went out there and laid an egg and didn't play up to their ability. And that's got nothing to do with you laying a dollar. You have your point of view on the betting gods. I have my point of view. A lot, dude, my, most my most people believe the way you believe, but I've kind of come down from that because I can almost tell you every week whether we're going to win or lose it, except for the Buffalo well, game. We'll see if I ever end up being man enough to put money on my own team. I doubt it. Uh, I'm just I don't scared do of it every week. Team. I don't do it every week, but I can definitely tell you where to go with your money. <laughs> on our game that's that's also i i didn't i didn't touch our game two weeks ago man. well you've been telling me where to what to where to go with my money and i keep forgetting to go with my money where you tell me to so this yeah. weekend we're going to change that i'm um, i'm 60 since the start of football season so it's been a good season that's a damn good run yeah if i've ever heard of one guys again thank you for listening it was a blast it was fun as always i loved having ron on um, guys, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Again, we will be back on next Wednesday uh, with some of your favorite football talk and, and possibly, possibly might even have a, a scout on here that has worked for Sports Illustrated that Bo and myself know very well in Roy Country. Oh, Roy. Roy, man. Oh, Roy. Might have to get him on the, get him on the show. But, uh, guys, as always, appreciate you guys listening. And, again, go subscribe and go get a review. And as always, go TSR. Peace out, guys. Till next week. See you. You are now listening to the TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bowe.